Hey, welcome into the House of L podcast. I am Lawrence Holmes. And what are we talking about today? We are talking about a huge win for your Chicago Bears. The final score, 34-22, not entirely indicative of the dominance of this game, but it was, there were some things that happened in this game that were downright magical from a bear standpoint. I'm going to talk with you about all of it. I'm excited to talk about the game that Mitchell Trubisky played. I do think that it's important that there were, there were two things that were troubling about the game that I want to talk about, but not until much, much later, but I'll share them with you after I tell you this. Sponsor of this podcast is the Chicago Wolves, and we thank the Chicago Wolves for their patronage of the podcast. I I saw that there was um, a very famous person who was at the Wolves game last night. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to explain why she's famous, but she's very famous, and she's a big Las Vegas Knights fan. So, of course, she went to see the Wolves while she was in Chicago. I'll let you guess who that person is, but I'll just tell you, it tells me that you can see famous people at the Wolves game. So you should go check out the Wolves, Chicago underscore Wolves, if you want to check them out on Twitter, ChicagoWolves.com, if you want to get tickets. Parking is free all season long. Brought to you by the fine folks out at Kia. Let's talk about this Bears win. The Bears stomped on Detroit. They absolutely stomped on Detroit. The passing numbers for the Bears are sickening. Let me go through just the receivers for a second. The Bears had two receivers who threw, who caught more than 100 yards worth of passes. Anthony Miller with 122 yards. And Allen Robinson with 133 yards. That is... Two guys that combined for 255 yards, which is crazy. Mitchell Trubisky threw the ball 30 times. He completed 23 of his passes. 355 yards for him. Three touchdowns, no interceptions. Plus, he ran for one. You have heard me say over the past few weeks that when it comes to Trubisky and his numbers, you throw out the high and you throw out the low. So right now, I would say throw out the Buffalo game and throw out the Tampa game, and it gives you a clear picture or clearer picture of who Trubisky is. I thought that this was his best game. I thought that this game was better than the game that he played at Tampa. And I know you're looking at the radio or you're looking at your laptop right now. You're looking at your iPhone and going, what the hell are you talking about, Lawrence? Here's why I thought it was better. It's clear that Tampa's defense is trash. Not that Detroit is much better. But you're talking about guys that were confused on assignments, guys not being where they were supposed to be, and Nagy did an incredible job of scheming that game, scheming guys wide open. Yeah, Mitch had some guys who were wide open in this game. He absolutely did. He hit them. But more importantly, he hit guys who recovered. His timing was great. I've talked about accuracy. And when I talk about accuracy, I'm not talking about what his percentage is of completed passes. I'm talking about where the ball is placed. And I thought that his ball placement in this game was amazing. Not not okay, not good, amazing. 
He hit guys in stride. He hit guys on back shoulders. He hit guys in traffic. One of the drops he had was a perfect throw that was in the middle of traffic where he darts it in there. I thought he was incredible. Pocket poise today, not worrying about there being guys around his feet, just standing in there and throwing and then running when he had to today. It was a really good effort by him. It's one of the, today was a game where you start to believe, where you go, oh, maybe this this isn't just a guy. Maybe he can be the reason why a team wins instead of being part of a winning team. At least that's some of the stuff that I took away from it. I just thought it was really impressive. And Nagy talked about him having conviction when he threw. And I thought that, that was that was true. Now, look, the Bears caught another break today. They've caught breaks throughout the season, but you know what? You can catch breaks, and if you don't make people pay, it doesn't matter. Darius Slay, the star cornerback of the Lions, who I think is one of the best players in the league, he was not available today. And they went at Nevin Lawson, number 24, all day long. It was a long day for him. Penalties getting burnt, just getting beat up out there on an island. And there was really no significant pressure that Mitch was under. The line did a good job of protecting him, and he made a good he made good decisions throughout the day. And on top of the good decisions, he then made good throws. It's a funny thing that happened to me on my way over to NBC Sports Chicago. So just so I can give you an idea, what ordinarily happens on game day, now that I I host a studio show, a pregame show, which we call the warm-up, that airs or streams at 11.45 on NBC Sports Chicago's Facebook. I get Alex, I get Lance, I get Matt. It's kind of informal. We talk about what's going to happen in 15 minutes leading up to the show. So with that, In mind, I usually get to NBC Sports Chicago on game day, like 10, 10, 15. Like, that's where I feel comfortable. I can, I like to walk the studio. I like to talk with the producers. I got great producers over there, Paul and and Slavko, two of the guys that produce the show. They're always like, okay, this is what we want to do. What do you think we should do? It's a really good collaborative. So I'm usually there, and I'm usually there by myself until around 11. That's usually when the guys show up. Today, I was driving in, and it was one of those weird things where there was a detour onto my access to 9094, and it had me going north towards the the, the station, and I said, you know, Soldier Field is kind of on the way to Merchandise Mart, which is where NBC Sports Chicago is. Why don't I go over there? So I headed back east and then over to Lakeshore Drive to Soldier Field. By the way, they really need the way that they've got that thing configured now is messy. If you're trying to, if you're exiting and trying to get to the Waldron deck, it is difficult. Anyway, I wanted to be at Soldier Field today. It was one of those days where. Obviously, I can't cover the game from Soldier Field because I'm not going to be there. I'm going to be in the studio. 
but I wanted to be there. I wanted to get a sense of how fans were reacting to the game. Did it feel like a big game when you're walking around the field? And I don't, it's a hard thing to quantify. But I just wanted to see if it felt like a big game. Because I've I've walked up to Soldier Field plenty of times where I feel like I have a, a decent grasp of big game-ness. That's not even a word. I just made it up. But whatever. You know what I'm talking about. So I parked on the Waldron deck. Shout out to everyone who said hello on the Waldron deck. I kind of thought I was incognito today because I would describe... I would describe this as kind of like my, this is more of my Clark Kent outfit, me like in a suit and tie, but maybe it isn't. Maybe it's actually my Superman outfit. But so people said, hi, they said they liked the show, which I really, really appreciated the radio show and the, the TV show, but it felt big. The tailgating that was going on felt big. People were excited. There was an energy in in the area around Soldier Field that was hard to deny. So I went up to the press box and wanted to talk with a couple of people. I got to I hadn't seen Jeff Dickerson in a long time, and and I adore JD. So I wanted to you know just reach out, tell him tell him how much I I had been thinking about him and, and his family, and it was just good to see him. I saw all the score guys, saw Les, saw Schuster, saw Chris Emma. And I just wanted to get a feel for it. And it felt big. Now, next Sunday night is going to feel even bigger. But I, I, I intentionally went over there to try and take the temperature of you and see how you're feeling about this team. And the way you're feeling about this team is pretty strong. And you should be. This team's 6-3. and three. I talked about it last week. You should be excited. You should be super excited for the Vikings game. The Bears win that game. Now you're start starting to talk less about them winning the division. Now you start talking about, is it possible they could be a number two seed? Those are the thoughts that you're kind of allowed to have if you get to that point and you win the game against the Vikings. And if you get continued play from your quarterback like this, then the sky becomes the limit. I I have I was kind of laughed at when I was talking about how I felt like in a game against the Rams the Bears could keep up with the Rams for a long time. You start the Bears are averaging like 30 points a game. And the Rams defense isn't that good. The question is can the Bears defense stop the Rams offense? And we'll get an opportunity to find out. Was that December 9th? We'll have that opportunity when the Rams come to Chicago and we'll see what they look like. But if you're getting production like this, the sky becomes the limit. I still think that there's a demarcation line between the Rams, the Saints, and everyone else in the NFC. I was hoping that I was hoping to see if Carolina could get closer to that, and then they laid an egg on Thursday night. I think the Vikings are probably right there with the Bears. I think the Vikings are maybe just a little bit better. But now we'll get the opportunity to find out. And how the Bears react to this game is important. Again, the podcast being brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. ChicagoWolves.com if you want to check out some great hockey. You can also check them out on social Chicago underscore Wolves. 
Now to the stuff that wasn't so great. One of them is the running game. They averaged two and a half yards a carry. Two and a half yards a carry. They totaled 54 yards on the run. Now, maybe it doesn't matter because your passing game is so prolific at this point that maybe you don't need a run game. But I'm, I talked with Matt Forte about this. And he said that one of the things you have to do is you have to practice running the ball. And that it shows up late in seasons when you are trying to cement games or win games with the run. And the Bears just haven't, they just haven't done that. They haven't been able to do that consistently enough today. They got rushing touchdowns out of Mitchell Trubisky and Tariq Cohen. But 54 total yards on 22 carries, that is not great at all. I don't know if they have time to fix it or, again, I'm not sure if it even matters if they fix it. But it's something to keep an eye on. The other thing is the kicking game. Cody Parkey. Oh, boy. He missed four kicks, and all of them hit the upright. I don't know if you could do that if you tried, but he did. I remember there's a game earlier this season where – they tried a a 53-yard field goal, and Matt Nagy has said, we have ultimate confidence in Cody Parkey. And that stuck with me because I'm not sure why they have ultimate confidence in Cody Parkey or any kicker to kick from 53, but him specifically, why you have ultimate confidence. And it happened after the game today. After the game, Nagy said that there is zero chance that they're going to bring in other kickers. I don't know if that's his call. I think that might be Ryan Pace's call. While Ryan Pace has had an incredible offseason, he's made this team better with the hiring of Nagy. The sign the trade for Khalil Magdan signing him, signing Allen Robinson, drafting of Miller. He's had a great drafting of Roquan Smith. He's had a great offseason. The one thing that Ryan Pace hasn't done in his time here has is not addressing the kicking game. I don't want to relive the Robbie Gold thing. I'm not trying to do that. All I'm saying is they better have some sort of kicking competition this week. Even if you decide at the end of it that Parkey is still your best choice, the idea that he's not accountable, that he shouldn't have to win his job, it all depends on what your expectations are. In my mind, if you're a rebuilding team that doesn't have a lot of faith that you're going to be able to make it to the playoffs or you've, you've decided that this is a rebuild year and you want to find out if Cody Parkey can bounce back, great. I feel like now the Bears are in a different spot. Now they're a team that has designs on winning the NFC North. Now they're a team that has designs on trying to be the number two seed in the NFC. You can't have a kicking game that looks like that. And let's expand this conversation. Let's talk about Bears special teams overall. 
you saw them give up the onside kick. You saw Anthony Miller not know the rule about patting the ball forward. You've seen them give up big kick returns. You've seen them not look sharp on special teams. You've seen them not tackle well on special teams. There's a lot of questions to answer. But the thing that can get a special teams coordinator fired real quick is a kicker that doesn't do their job. And to me, you can't send Cody Parkey back out there without him proving to you with competition that he deserves the job that he has. Nagy was talking about how it changed the way that he called plays. And he's right. That game was a two-possession game because Cody Parkey missed extra points. The Lions, if they weren't lions could have made this a game because Cody Parkey left the door open for him. But the Bears' defense came through. They bailed him out. They look so different with Khalil Mack in the game. They're solid without Mack. And we talked about Eddie Jackson being Pro Bowl or maybe even all pro level this year. Danny Trevathan being great. Roquan Smith starting to come into his own. Akeem Hicks being really solid in the middle. But when you add Khalil Mack back into the mix, you see the difference. He's insane. Alex Brown posted a pic on Instagram as I was walking out. I saw it. It was a video on Instagram of Khalil, one of Khalil Mack's sacks today. He had two of them today. He destroyed the tackle, did a move on the tackle, and just left him in the dust. Then they had someone in inside. He ran over that guy and then landed on Stafford. The guy is a monster. And he makes you great on defense. Absolutely great. Shout out to my guy, Bryce Callahan. If you've been listening to the House of L podcast, you know that I'm a big fan of Bryce Callahan. And look at him again today. Five tackles, a sack, a tackle for loss, an interception, two passes broken up. Have a day, young man. Have a day. And Prince of Mukamara bounced back from getting trucked by Toy Lolo early on to have eight tackles, two passes broken up, an interception, and two forced fumbles. This defense is hungry for takeaways now. I don't know why the the the, the, sw- the switch flipped. I don't know if it was just Khalil Mack being added to the mix, but they are trying to take the ball away from you now. They are trying to scoop it and score, and I like that. The, the way that the defense acts is a good complement to the way the offense goes about its business. They are aggressive. And I think good things can happen when you're aggressive like that. So all in all, this is great. This is, this is wonderful for the Bears to be 6-3. and three. And a big game coming up. And now we've, we've got 11 days where it gets really interesting. When the Vikings come to town and then the Bears go back to Detroit on short rest. But they're 6-3. and three, And if it feels good, Tony, Tony, Tony. I wanted to thank all the fans that said, hey, 
I do really, I really appreciate that. I wish I had more time to like hang out with folks, but I was in a little bit of a rush because I was trying to get back down to the studio. Shout out to the 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 parking people on the Waldron deck because I told them I said, listen, I'm not going to be here long. I'm just going in and out, but it's not like you can just put the flashers on and go upstairs to Soldier Field. But they like figured out a way to get me out of there without disturbing anyone's tailgate. So um, mad props to them for helping me out too. Thanks to you for listening. I'll have more stuff on the score starting at six o'clock on Monday. I appreciate the support of the podcast. And if you support me, please support the Chicago Wolves because they make it possible to, to keep the podcast going on the Bears specifics. So give them a follow on Twitter, Chicago underscore Wolves. They'd appreciate that. They'd love to get their numbers up as we all would. Thanks for listening this week. Next week, man, Sunday night football at Soldier Field. I'm going to head to Soldier Field early next week, like super early. So I'll get an opportunity to, to hang out with you a little bit more and talk with you a little bit more. And I'll let you know throughout the week where our set's going to be so you can come and hang out with us and you can meet Alex and Lance and Matt and it'll be a really good time. So thanks for the love. You have a first-place football team, Chicago. How great is that? Oh, by the way, this week on the interview, I'm just telling you now, Jordan Cornette and I did an interview last week. It is incredible. It's powerful. You'll hear it. I'll drop it Wednesday morning, so be looking for it. But it's super good. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time.